0: Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Vets Unrestricted Podcast. Today's date is the 20th of October, 2021.
1: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
0: My name's Dan Club, and I'll be your host this week. I'm joined as ever by my trusty co-host Dave Comerford. Dave, how are we doing? All good.
2: I like the recurring theme of being uh, described as trusty. Um, I'm a fan of that. Um, Yeah, it's been a while since we we did one of these, but um, yeah, we've obviously had the the Waterford and Let's Go game since to a very different view and experiences. I'd say. Mm.
0: Yeah, definitely were, yeah. Um, Obviously, we've come back off the international break. we put an episode out sort of in the middle of the break, so it has been a little period of time. Um, This week, we are joined by an esteemed guest in Chris Stonage, a creator for LFC Transfer Room and Field Agenda and much more. So Chris, ask the same question. How are we doing, mate? All good?
1: Uh, I'm very good. I'm breathing now after after last yeah. night. Um, I was hyperventilating, shall we say, in the last five minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very, very good and I, I'm I'm very uh, happy to be asked on. So yeah, uh, how are you boys doing? That's That's the main thing.
0: Yeah, well, I'm all good, mate. Yeah, um, <laughs> pleasure to have you with us. Um, and you're dead right uh, to discuss last night and just how nerve-wracking it was, certainly towards the end. It was, uh, it was frantic, to say the least. Um, but we'll go on to the game in just a minute. But first, um, we're going to do our usual Who Am I? Um, which is basically, I'm going to give you clues from a past or present Liverpool player and you boys just shout out when you think you know who they are. Um, I've taken age into account this week, as I know Dave hates it when I pick Players from the 1970s. So this week's player was born in London. Um, He made his Liverpool debut on the 9th of August 2015. Is it John Mad? No. no. (laughs) Good good early guess though. We like an early guess. Is it?
1: Is it Nathaniel Klein? Well, I am shocked. It is Nathaniel Klein. Yes. Come on. (laughs) How quick was that? Boys, I, I, I don't tell anyone I hone myself on lfchistory.net. Oh, well, I, I mean, know. that's exactly where we got
0: it from. I got it from, by the way, so I can't really... Uh, yeah, that's amazing. and That's the quickest we've ever had it, I'll tell you that. Um, so on that note, I'll stick with you, Chris, uh, as the winner of Who Am I. Um, I'll come to you for three-word match review um, on the Atletico Madrid game um, and just generally what your thoughts were on the match. My th-
1: well, my three-word match for you—I don't know if I've done it right—but I- I've gone with three adjectives, and well, I've gone with ugly, monumental, and sweet. Um, yeah. I—I've I- uh, because to be fair, right? The first fifteen minutes was typical Liverpool this season, wasn't it? Um, really, really good flow and attacking football. It's amazing how we only had actually had like two shots on target in that time. Mm. Um, but I was so impressed. I mean, going to the most difficult place in the world and dominating them in the back park. And then, obviously, they came back into it. We'll discuss it in more detail. Um, but I tell you what, the, the win and how it came about um, was just so sweet. And the fact that Simeone went dashing down the uh, dashing down the tunnels um, made it even sweeter.
0: Yeah, it was nice to get one over him in particular because there's been a little bit of a war of words in the build up to the game. Um, and obviously, it's, it seems to have continued. Klopp kind of played down. To me only running off, but it wasn't a great look on his behalf, in my opinion. But um, I'll come to you, Dave, for your sort of initial reaction to the match and your three words, please.
2: Well, um, in answer to, to Chris's question, to think about the three-word view is, you can basically do it any way you like. I've gone with a slightly maybe bitter one. Um, I've gone with have that Diego, uh, <laughs> because it basically sums up the... The satisfying nature of the win, really. Um, obviously you've mentioned he refused to shake Klopp's hand, and also you know at the start of the game when the crowd booed when it went and the players took the knee that, mm. you know, when that happens it it fires me up a lot more when I'm watching it because you know I'm desperate for mm. them to have their their week ruined basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know there were times in that game where I was just sitting there thinking we just can't beat these these lads. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is like they're just kryptonite. Like when the penalty gets awarded. On the one hand, I'm like, how the hell have we let this happen? And then on the other, Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, it's just Atletico, isn't it? Um, But yeah, it's maybe even more satisfying to beat them the way we did uh, in a way. You know, it's almost an Atletico way to beat Atletico. Or even, I was thinking during the game, maybe that's how Man United feel (laughs) a lot of the time, um, because that's maybe the kind of victory that they get. But I mean, you know, on that penalty, I think obviously it's probably the crucial moment in in us getting away with the win. Um, You know, we've almost come to accept that a decision like that doesn't get overturned, Mm. but it's kind of at odds with the idea that there should be a lighter touch and that a player should only go down in the manner that the contact forces them to. Um, And it didn't look like that was the case. So it's strange because it broke with precedent. So you're kind of tempted to say maybe you're a bit lucky. But then on the other hand, you're breaking with precedent to make what I think is in isolation the right decision, really. On the one hand, you know, Chris calls it maybe the hardest place to go in world football. Um, so on Twitter last night, they hadn't lost there for four years in the Champions mm-hmm. League. Um, and so to win there, to have nine points um, in this group from the first three games is it, brilliant. Obviously, it puts us in an amazing position. Um, on the other and I'm keen to hear what you two think about this, I'm slightly worried that in the three games we've played against teams who I'd say are genuine, you know, top-tier teams, we haven't looked convincing in any of them. And obviously two red cards in those games have, have played yeah. part in how they've went. And, you know, the other team are bound to have spells in those games because, you know, they're by nature top teams. But, you know, compared to a couple of years ago when we won the title and we don't look you know, as a show, then we look a lot more vulnerable. So that's my kind of thing that's, you know, blunting the optimism a little bit. Um, So, yeah, I'm keen to see what you two two have to say in response to that.
0: Yeah, so just on the... um, My three-word match review was horrible night's work, which is something I said to you last night, Dave, because I think you're dead right to draw similarities with an Atletico-style win. Because it felt a little bit like the game at Anfield when we were the better side for, you know, the most part, and I think they were better than us for most of last night after the first probably fifteen minutes. Um, but we got we got away with it, and we got that crucial three points. And you're dead right to say it puts us in complete control of the group with two home games coming up, so that's really important. Um just on the penalty as well, I think it would have been soft. I was very surprised to see it overturned. And I've seen people draw comparison to the one we were awarded a few minutes earlier on Jota and the chalk and cheese. In my opinion, like one, the ball is actually in the vicinity for the one Jota potentially gives away, whereas Hermoso just inexplicably barges into into him for our one. So they're not really the same. But yeah, I'll, I'll come to you, Chris, on Dave's point, I suppose, because I've got my own feelings on it, and I don't think we're quite hitting the heights. Um, of recent seasons just yet, even though we're unbeaten and you know, the actual record looks decent. I just think in periods of games, we're not quite at it. And those games in particular, Dave mentions, in terms of City, Chelsea and Atletico are probably the three. So I get your thoughts on where we're at at the minute compared
1: to those. I mean, what you're talking about with the, the, the heights that we hit are heights that not many teams have ever hit. I mean, especially in the nineteen twenty season, eighteen nineteen and nineteen twenty seasons, you know, we went on a period of forty four games without a loss. Uh, We won games, but people forget actually in that, in that, in those wins that we did win, we we ground out victories against teams who are considerably inferior to us. Mm. Like, Um, and to be honest, I'm going to sound like a right top red here. I'm, (laughs) I'm here, and I'm like. We're probably never going to hit those heights again in terms of performance, but if we can do so in results, which yeah. we, are, we are doing, I mean, the red card was massively in our favour last night and against Chelsea. But if we can continue matching the results and stay in difficult to beat, um, I, I think it's good. I think the, the influence of Fabinho last night considerably mm. um, in, increased our chances of, of not losing the game. Because um, I think it was the midfield's fault. But uh, yeah, it's it, it look, I'm not panicking about not hitting the heights of two or three years ago because those heights, no one, hardly anyone in footballing history has hit.
0: Yeah, I think mean, that's a very fair assessment, to be honest. Um, what I will say on the both red card games is they're both very well organised, like known now for being well organised. Simeone's been doing it for a long time at Atletico, and Tuchel has got Chelsea very well drilled. So Both of those sides going down to 10 men doesn't necessarily hand Liverpool the attacking advantage it would against most teams um, because it was almost quite a simple tactical tweak for both managers to shore themselves up again defensively. And that's what we see in Chelsea in particular. Almost became harder to beat when they went down to 10 men. Um, And the same could be said for Atletico. So not beating Chelsea and managing to edge past Atletico was probably, you know sort of ideal outcome obviously. Um Dave Chris mentions the midfield there, which is something obviously we discussed in brief last night. Um and Nabi Kater in particular. So I'm not going to beat around the bush too much. Obviously he scores that goal. I've seen him it's a worldy goal by the way, but I've seen him described as a scapegoat this morning on Twitter. Um which I thought was about right really because he had his struggles in the game. Obviously, he gets beat for both goals. Um, but I'll get your general consensus on his performance first, please, Dave.
2: Um, it's tricky. I think whether I'd agree with scapegoat, I'm not sure. It, it's a shame, really, that last night was, you know, regardless of what you think, it's, it is a step back uh, for Keita overall, um, you know, being subbed at half-time. But, you know, it's not single-handedly his fault with the goals. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know Klopp said, for example, for the second goal that, you know, yes, Keita gets beaten by by Felix, but the, spit, the gaps that Liverpool left generally were way too big. So I think it's almost when we watch football, we're looking for that kind of really obvious moment in the lead up to goal, you know, where someone gets beaten and it's much harder to see, you know, for us as fans to maybe appreciate the positioning of certain players or things happened, you know, a lot earlier in the move, for example. Um, So it is almost a natural scapegoat, if you like. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, on the one hand, it shouldn't undo the good work Case has done this season up to this point. Um, You know, he's played quite a nice understated role, Mm -hmm. progressing the ball nicely, making plenty of tackles. Um, And I think, you know, We've all really been, been been fans of that. I saw a few appreciative tweets um off the back of Watford. But you know, it, it's also true that he didn't start, I think I'm right in saying, against Chelsea or City. So this was the biggest game of his season up to now. Um and you wonder what a game like that does for Klopps, kind of trust in him. You know, obviously not only a few months after what happened, um in Madrid I, again. I, yeah, Real Madrid's yeah. training ground. Um obviously much more maybe embarrassing for Kater there to be subbed before half-time, but um, not too dissimilar in a way. So, yeah, it'll be telling, really, to see if he if he selects him at the weekend, um, given that, obviously, he'll be probably in physical condition to play, although you can never assume that uh, with cater, But it's whether, you know, Klopp does now have that faith in him for a game of that magnitude. Yeah, that's the question,
0: isn't it? Yeah. Um... And it was a shame in many ways. I think that's a really almost good way of describing it because we've seen a lot of good stuff from him this season so far. And obviously he scores that goal last night. And I think we're all thinking, here we go, like you know, this could be turning point sort of period in his Liverpool career, but then you know, he does get beat twice and he ends up scoring both times. So it's a real setback. Chris, I'll get your final word really on Cater. Um, and I know you're a massive Oxley Chamberlain fan, so feel free to include him if you can. But yeah, just yeah. what your thoughts were on katie last night and, and this season generally, actually.
1: Um, I love Naby. I, I genuinely think he, he's got a massive future still at Liverpool, despite the fact, you know, it has been three and a half years, just constant frustration. Um, last night, I don't I don't think he was... He should be scapegoated. I think he could have been any of the midfielders who were substituted. Henderson was poor. Um, and Milner, after the first 15 minutes, was non-existent. I just think we needed to get Fabinho on, personally. Um, and he was the unfortunate uh, sacrifice for that. Mm. Um, He scored a brilliant goal. He's brilliant going forward. I I think he carries the ball well. I think he tackles the ball well. I just think the lack of having Fabinho there as as coverage um, didn't really help uh, Cater. I think he plays his best football with Fabinho behind him. Mm. Um, And Yeah, look, I I still think it's a very overwhelmingly positive start to the season for him. I mean, he's only had a little spell out injured a week or so. You know, if, if we can keep Nabi cater fit, I'm almost certain he'll start on Sunday. Uh, he, he's, he's, you know, I think he's played games now. He's starting to get them in his legs. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i more than happy for, for Nabi to, to start. And I trust him. and I still think Jürgen trusts him.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good assessment, obviously, to be honest with you. I think, you know, we're right to look at the positive start he's had to the season. And I actually expected him... To come out of the side last night for Fabinho, and that wasn't really critical of Cater, That was just the game. I felt like we needed Fabinho's presence in midfield from the outset, and I always backed him to go with Milner and Henderson away at Atletico Madrid for all the all the reasons we've kind of already touched upon. With it being such a difficult place to go and play, so you know Cater being sacrificed at halftime wasn't much of a surprise to me, and I don't think it was a massive reflection on his performance. Um, Just to finish off on Atletico, um, obviously we've conceded twice um, and the goals didn't exactly cover our defence in much glory. So, should we be concerned? I've heard um, Dietmar Haman, obviously someone we're all aware of as Liverpool fans, um, this morning say that if Liverpool continues to defend like they have been doing, um, i.e. against Brentford and Man City, and um, we won't be winning sort of the major honors at the end of the season. So I will come straight back to you, Chris. Are you concerned about Liverpool's defensive unit at the minute?
1: Not at all. Not at all. Um, I think, as I mentioned in in the Atletico Madrid uh, about Atletico Madrid, I think the midfield is the main problem. Um, we need Fabinho in that midfield. I think we started off this season. We didn't concede. We only conceded one in our first five games, um, and that was a big. He was a big part of that. Um, yeah, th- I'm not concerned. Van Dijk and Matip have been fine. They haven't put many. Foot- I think Van Dijk was at fault for for Atletico's uh, go second goal, but they haven't really put that much wrong. I think the midfield is the area that needs sorting out personally, um, and that's what happens when there's so much rotation there. Really. Yeah, I think the Fabinho point is sort of the overwhelming strong one in this
0: discussion because we see in last season when he wasn't in midfield, um, how much we suffered, regardless of who was playing behind him, him as that sort of base of the midfield in front is, is huge. Um, Dave, do you echo those points? And I also want to get your very brief assessment on Allison because I do think he's worth a mention last night. I thought he was outstanding.
2: I originally thought I was going to disagree with Chris there, but I take his point about, you know, defending. you defend as a unit and, and as a team. Um, and I don't think it is a, an individual issue that we've got at the moment. I think it is to do with, structures and stuff, but you know, for there was so much talk about Fabinho last night. I thought he was really good second half, um, albeit in different circumstances to what we envisaged. But I also don't think that he's necessarily the complete remedy there. Cause you know the, the Brentford um game, the city game, you know, look how open we looked there and we had Fabinho playing. Um yeah. so the security from previous season just isn't quite there. You know, I think with Liverpool they're always going to be exposed, a little bit exposed defensively, because you know of, of how many bodies they commit forward, how high the full-backs play. But we, what I'd say is we're more open than we can afford to be. Um, really, you know, without going into the goals last night, um, against City, against Atletico, and even against Brentford, and maybe even AC Milan, mm. um, for, for periods of that game. We've lived we just lived too dangerously. um and my worry is that you know if you look at the fixtures we've had for the most part and the positions of the team we've played, I think that may be all outside the top kind of twelve in the league um maybe our defensive the issue our defensive structure, if you like are, are being disguised a little bit um by a, a kind of schedule and they might be exposed um in tougher games like like last night so I think it's about finding that balance. Um mm. really. And we have to accept that we're gonna give the other team chances um within the game, just as I say, because of the how front foot we are. Um, but it's about making sure they're lower quality chances, really, and we're giving up way too many where we're having to like segue it, we're having to rely on the heroics of nice. to uh yeah. <laughs> to you know to deal with it. And I think you know, the thing that strikes me is I mean, he's picked up the player of the match award and the two goals, which, which probably says quite a lot. And one of the things I love is a lot of the time when you see him come out, Allison. I'm not sure if the goalkeeper better. In, the, in fact, I'm very confident it isn't to keep it better in those situations where he's right at the feet of the attacker and he has to make himself big and almost uh, prevent them from getting the ball around him. In any way, he just forms like this of moving wall. Um, and he, he, he's brilliant at doing that. Um, that's probably... The best uh, say from him last night was after Griezmann um, got in behind us and had so much space to run into. So, yeah, reminder number one thousand probably of uh, of how important to, uh, and how good Allison is.
0: Yeah, I, I just thought he was he was superb last night, and I think you know obviously we've discussed Allison in more in more detail in the previous episode, um, and you're right to mention this sort of one on one. Quality so I just think he is the best in the world at that. And he might well be the best in the world all round, to be honest with you. But everyone talks about his sort of distribution and obviously his ability at scoring last-minute winners. We always talk about that. But um, his actual you know, stock and trade is saving saving his shots and he's just outstanding. I thought last night and the first half against Manchester City, you know, they could have been out of sight in Faming Man City because they were by far the better team. Manfield for 45 minutes um, and Allison kept us in it. And, you know, we shouldn't just forget how brilliant he is um, because he is superb. Um, but we will move on. Uh, we're going to give a decent amount of time to what is, you know, my most dreaded game of the season. Actually, I can't stand going to Old Trafford play Manchester United um, for lots of reasons. Our record there is not great. Um, I know we won last season but that was without fans so we need to go and put that right and beat them when it's full so I'll come to you uh, Chris on this one to begin with Um, your general thoughts about the game um, and I suppose how confident you are as a Liverpool fan because like I touched upon our record there isn't fantastic even under Jurgen Klopp so yeah what do you reckon to this game of Sunday?
1: It's a cliche but form goes out the window in, in games like this um and, and you give me a draw at Old Trafford every single time and I will shake your hand, despite the fact that Man United are on their knees as a football club. Um, rumors are that they might be doing another protest, which is funny. Um, and they've yeah. got a PE teacher as their manager. I still, do, It doesn't matter what goes on. Um, they, they're just not... It, it doesn't matter how each side are playing. It, it's going to be United... Old Trafford's going to be rocking... Um, we just have to make sure they don't get a fast start. I think the last time we, we really had a, a bigger disparity over them uh, was when when we had the the league uh, in 1920 and we ended up drawing mm. there. Yeah. Um, but we were so far so far and away better than them, and I still think we are now. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm. I'm. If I was talk, looking at it as a football match, I'm saying Liverpool should win it every time. But it, it's not just that. So, yeah. Mm. Confidence level's are medium, I would say.
0: That's the problem with it, because you're dead right. Like, you know, we've gone into these games previously, and I remember going there in 1920 and thinking, we're so much better than these. But that just doesn't... That isn't how the game plays out. Like, that's just never how it works. It's so rare that this game goes with form. I can remember a couple of recent Anfield matches whereby it probably has done. But going there is just a different kettle of fish, normally, altogether. Um same question to you, Dave. Uh, Manchester United obviously play Atalanta tonight um, in the Champions League. And I, in a weird way, I think that's got quite a lot of bearing on what happened on Sunday, purely because of the managerial situation. I think if they can go to Atalanta and win tonight, that will almost get rid of some of the doubts around it. And it might free them up a little bit for Sunday. But if they get beat, then I think we're looking at a different side all over again. So just your general feelings, Dave, on the match.
2: Yeah, that's interesting because um, whether you'd want them to carry some slight momentum into the game or whether um, you'd want to risk maybe the response um, of a yeah. defeat. Um, so who knows on that? But I mean, my my confidence levels are largely similar to Chris's, I think. Um, and you call it the most dreaded game of the season. and. I kind of agree. Like my confidence is never going to be particularly high for the game like that. You know, last night, um, as much as it wasn't an enjoyable game at all, I wasn't particularly nervous because I knew Liverpool had breathing room in the Champions League group. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, even if we had lost, it would have been ex- you know extremely annoying to lose, but we could have coped with it. Um, but I'm going to be saving pretty much all my uh, my nerves for for Sunday. I think, you know. We know that United are a team who, off the ball, they just lack any real structure, and yeah. you'd hope that Liverpool can expose that pretty brutally. Um, then, on the other hand, you know the attacking talent that they have, and um, based on what we've seen, that that could cause real problems for us as well. And it, it's like you two have said, um, you know, it's completely different playing against fans. We've been best, much better than them before, and you know, almost. Maybe even being dragged down to their level or slightly below in some of those games. So, you know, Chris calls it a cliche about derbies, but I think it it is kind of accurate for the most part, like especially when you're going away from home.
0: Yeah, and certainly in this one, like I say, I don't know what it is about this fixture. Even in Klopp's reign, when we've been largely superior, we just haven't managed to go there and put together, you know, a performance fitting to this side. And even what's gone before with this side, like. Obviously, we weren't great last night. It was a bit of a dirty win, as Jurgen Klopp called it. But, you know, we've gone to Athletics to go, we've won. We've just wiped the floor with Watford, you know. We should be absolutely flying going to Old Trafford. But for whatever reason, whatever's gone before, we just haven't turned up there. So, you know, you could say we owe them one. You could say we, you know, it's about time we put in an actual stellar performance there. But, I mean, in fairness, last season's victory there, I... I'm 99% confident we had Matt Phillips and Bruce Williams at the back. So, as as good as they were, we probably had no right to win Old Trafford with those two playing centre-half, if we're going to be brutally honest. Um, I'll come back to you, Dave, to begin with, um, on your preferred lineup for this one then, because obviously we've seen just the one change last night in Allison coming in. Um, Obviously, Fabinho came on at half-time, like we've discussed. So, what do you expect to see on Sunday?
2: I mean a lot of the time with these lineups, like, you know, I'm I'm putting a team together and, but like I can I'm not like adamant about a lot of the the picks that I'm going with. Um I think we can all agree on the on the back five um would be uh the, the back five that started last night. Low was slightly surprised that Matted didn't get a rest. Um midfield wise, uh for being Henderson, I'd have in there then it's that kind of final slot, really. Um, if, and I think I'm assuming he will be, based on the fact that he did a little bit of training um, on Monday. If Jones is fit, I'd probably have him in in the third slot, um, and then I'd probably go with Firmino through the middle, which I think is the other big uh, selection question mark. I just think that Jones and Firmino might be the best place to exploit the gaps that we know United are going to leave. Um, but equally, you know, if Casa plays, I'll, I mean I'd be slightly surprised if he did. Um, I know Chris, Chris probably disagrees with that, but um I'd be a, I'd be slightly surprised if he kept his place um based on last night. If he did, I think he could maybe carry out that role quite well as well anyway. Um, and yeah, I've gone for Firmino, even though I didn't actually like his performance last night you know, for me, we will often do this thing where he's picking up the ball in those trademark positions, running towards the box, and is the pass is just over-hit, under-hit, or he's yeah. playing at the wrong moment. And I'm thinking, you know, this is your role. This is why you're in the team to produce those kind of moments and those kind of plays. And, you know, it's extremely frustrating when he doesn't do that because he's not the one who's actually getting in the box and posing a danger like Jota might. But in spite of that, I think on the tactical, maybe the on paper the, the better tactical decision is to, mm. is to throw Firmino in uh, from the start. But it, yeah, as I say, if he goes to Jota, then I can get behind that as well.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting element for Firmino. You know? I think you're dead right to touch upon his sort of inaccuracy in the final moment, certainly a couple of times last night. And it's almost ludicrous to sit here and criticise him for everything he's done for the club. And obviously he got a hat-trick on the weekend, but... There were moments last night whereby we were almost, you know, three on two, two on two, when just that final ball was lacking, which is something, you know, we expect from him, if we're going to be honest. Um, and also just to say, I'm very disappointed in Jamie Carragher sort of scrutinising Ole Gunnar Solskjaer tactically on Monday Night Football, because it was just giving him all sort of, you know, insight into what was going wrong there. And I thought you could have waited a week for this, because like, you're dead right to sort of point out the open spaces and the disjointedness. Of United at times this season. But um I'll come to you, Chris. Uh same question. Do you have any changes from what Dave's just outlined?
1: Uh I hope Curtis changes fit, because if he is, then I would I would start him as well. Um, I think he as as he mentioned, you know, United's midfield problems are even worse than ours. They've got f- they're literally playing Fred. Um, and <laughs> I don't know how in 2021 that's uh legal. But no, I I, th- I think um, I wouldn't be worried about who who played in midfield as long as Fabinho's at the at the base of it. I think it might be Henderson um, and Cater, but it could also be Henderson and Jones if he's fit. Um, Milner to come on in the last few minutes if we uh, need to to see the game out. Um, up front, that's an interesting one that because I think Jota. If, if if there's anyone in in the club at the moment apart from Salah who you want a, f- a chance to fall to, it'd be him. I think he he's, he's got poachers' instinct, and yeah, I, I, it's going to be like void of chances. I think at Old Trafford, um, so I, I'd almost be tempted. You know, I think I don't think Jurgen would do this, but I'd almost be tempted to play all four of them, um, just because I think that gap in between mid- midfield and defence is. United's biggest weakness, and that's where they can exploit it, especially Firmino. But you know, I don't think he will. So I'll say I'll say he'll start Jota. I think Firmino will come off the bench. Um, and I think it'll be the normal back five. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I had a wry smile on my face as you headed steadfast to suggest he should play all four. Um, it's something he's done before in big games. Obviously, we've seen it in Man City. Um, I don't foresee it on Sunday, mainly because he hasn't done it this season yet. Um, and I think it'd be a big call to the United, although tactically it might not be the worst idea at all. Um, I've got Firmino in my front three, I think, for all the reasons. and I, I tend to pick Firmino anyway, certainly in bigger games, because I still think that Klopp prefers him to Jota um, in these big matches just because of the work rate. And that's not to say Jota doesn't work hard, but it's different. Jota is more of a presser, whereas Firmino will come back and win the ball in midfield and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, and I've I've stuck with Cater. I think we can take that half-time substitution in isolation um, and look at his form more generally this season. And I think he's worthy of a start, whether Jones is fit or not. I hope Jones is fit for obvious reasons. But, yeah, I, I've just plumped with Keita, um in mind. Um, I'll stick with you, Chris. Um Score prediction for the match, Um, probably the most difficult one of the season. And just a very quick generalisation of how you think the game could play out.
1: Yeah, I think we'll nick it. I think we'll nick it. Um, I'd never go into a game and predict us not to win. Um, So I'm going to go 2-1. Old Trafford, I think Rashford will score first for United. I think they'll they'll, they'll open the scoring. I do think we'll keep Ronaldo quiet, actually. I can't see him bullying anything of Van Dijk and Matip. Um and then I I think we'll uh Mo Salah will score um twice and we'll we'll win the game yet again.
0: Nice. Mo Salah scoring twice at the minute would be a pretty standard form from him. He is. We haven't even mentioned him in this pod but he's just unbelievable. Um, Dave, uh, your score prediction again, just quickly, how you think the game might pan out, and obviously you can update us on how far ahead you are in the predictions league. <laughs>
2: um. You're right about Salah, first of all. Um I think I checked yesterday, it's, it's either twelve and eleven or twelve and ten for this season. Um maybe not two of the the final scores. I know it was really good dribble uh, for the first one. Bit of luck with the deflection and, and then the penalty, but the you know, the output at the moment is is still pretty frightening. Um prediction wise, I mean at the risk of getting kicked off my own podcast. Um oh, here we go. I'm, I'll, I'm I have got a nasty feeling about it. And it's don't do it, it's, Dave. Just, it's just a few, <laughs> it's just a few things that are that are combining. And you know, obviously the form that United are in. The you know, obviously what happened with with Carragher on Monday night. I don't know if you if you saw it at the end, but um Neville's literally saying to him, Man United will win on, on Sunday yeah. and he knows it. Um but yeah I, I I've just I'm having my terrors already about Martin Tyler screaming when Ronaldo scores. Um and I think I think United might I think United might take it. I'm really
1: sorry lads. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. goodness me. me. Hand, <laughs> hand in your P45
2: mate. <laughs> I know I'm not sure I'll be back next week <laughs> but uh you know I w- what I will say is I don't think it's going to change the fact that and I'll remember this on Sunday regardless. That we will finish above Man United and that mm. they won't be in the title race, they won't be a factor in that. Um, I just think with and I think I didn't mention just then, the defending as well. Um, against you know, some some of the players that they have. It's just these are things that worry me. And I would absolutely love obviously to be to be completely wrong um about about that and for United shortcoming to be evident, but I guess I guess we'll see predictions table wise and hopefully this gap reduces. Yeah. Uh, for, for Liverpool C. We'll We've I've not updated it for a couple of weeks. So I went with a, a draw um against City. Um and I think you you and the guests went for a win that week, Dan. Mm-hmm. So that was plus two for that. And then we all got plus one for Watford. So I'm on twelve, the guests are on seven, and you're on six. But hopefully now you're gonna nail the, the three points for a uh, the Liverpool winning a scoreline um, and I, I can only apologise for that prediction <laughs> but I'm going after points at the end of the day and I can only go with the, the way I'm feeling so
0: yeah <laughs> this there
2: speaks a man desperate to win the rental restricted at all uh, task, yeah. <laughs>
0: um I've gone with 2-0 Liverpool Um although I agree not entirely but with a lot of the points you've both made um, about how the game's going to pan out because it is a terrible terrible fixture in my opinion and um, but yeah, I just think that superiority has to show at some point at Old Trafford, and I'm hoping it's Sunday. So I have gone for 2 0 Liverpool. Um, so yeah, that's about all we've got time for. But we will give Chris the obligatory opportunity to plug anything, whether it be his
1: Twitter handle or any work he's got coming out. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Mate, honestly, um, I can't keep track of what work I've got coming out. I've got <laughs> it coming out of my bloody ears, mate. Um, but now nah, follow me at, at Chris Stonage, S-T-U-O-N-A-D-G-E, and subscribe to the LFC Transfer Room YouTube channel. Good man, yeah, much
0: appreciate you coming on. Um, really good, uh, Dave. I'll get you to uh, say any final
2: words as well. Well, um, that obviously the the selection process for your new co-host starts now. Um, I yeah, think.
0: I, I meant final words quite
2: <laughs> differently. Yeah. I think Chris has done, done a pretty good audition today, you know, if he's interested. <laughs> so. so yeah, uh, thanks uh, for coming on Chris and and yeah, hopefully I, I look like a uh, bit of a mug come Sunday.
0: Yeah, let's hope. Um, but yeah, that is all we've got time for for episode 38. We will be back next week. Me and a new co-host will be back next week to look back yeah. on the Manchester United result. Um, as well as the League Cup clash with Preston. Be Take care all and we'll see you then.